Amen. Hey, once again, we are in our study, World Religions, Cult and the Occult, number 14. Pastor Bobby, what's the title? That's right, man. You either got good eyesight or you're sitting on the front row or both. That's right. That's a blessing. I'll tell you what. And uh, that's right. Witchcraft and the rise of Wicca. We're finally going to get there, Lord willing, tonight. And uh, by way of recap, because that's what we do. Uh, it's a teaching technique. We already saw so far the definition of witchcraft. We saw the types of witchcraft. We saw the locations of witchcraft all over the world. We certainly saw that in the history. We also saw the protection. If somebody's uh, involved in witchcraft and you need to get out of it, who do you turn to? Jesus. That's right. Jesus is always that safe answer, right? Uh, or if you're a Christian and they're coming after you. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you guys have seen the thread, but did you know, it's like a badge of honor, did you know that we're being told now that we are on blogs of witchcraft sites and they're praying curses and hexes against us? Yeah. Greater is he than is in me than he that is in this world. You're going to find out who's the one in control here, and it's not Satan. Hello. So you need to turn to Jesus. Uh, but if, even if you're a Christian, you need to uh, deal with it spiritually as a Christian, the name and authority of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be afraid. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, right? Then, of course, we took a look at the history, and what we saw is that Wicca is nothing new under the sun. Now, that's what the, how they want to uh, approach it, and they have relabeled it, but it's just old-fashioned witchcraft that's been going on ever since the Tower of Babel. And we demonstrate that the last nine times. Who's counting, Jim? I was. Nine times taking a look at history of witchcraft. It's all over the planet. Were you guys besides me blown away how much our planet is permeated with witchcraft? I mean, and, and not just today, but just man, it's been in the background the whole time. No wonder things are all messed up. Okay, but we saw it's been going on ever since the Tower of Babylon. And after Babylon, of course, it went to Egypt, it went to Greece, it went to Rome and Asia and then India and the island countries we took a look at. Then to Africa, then Latin America we hopped upon. And then last time we hopped back over the pond and took a look at European witchcraft. And a lot of the European witchcraft is what we're going to see tonight. That's where this Wicca has risen out of, okay? They just relabeled it, okay? And it's a lot of what we're getting here in North America is coming from European witchcraft. Albeit, again, there's some hodgepodge stuff from other countries coming in as well, but a lot of it is from the European witchcraft. And it's just as bad as all the other stuff that we saw throughout history, okay? We saw that, of course, they're involved in drugs. Why do they get involved in drugs? Why are drugs so important in the occult? Because that gets them into an altered state of consciousness so they can open up the spirit realm and connect with demons, Okay, that's the big thing. We saw the same thing with witchcraft. But they had their techniques in Europe, not just with drugs, but that's why the witches would ride the brooms. They would put the drugs on the brooms and certain portions of the body, and that would get it into their system a lot faster, okay? And then what would they do? They would go flying, uh, very possibly not just visions and all kinds of things, but maybe astral projection, out-of-body experiences, things of that nature as well. So a lot of things that we think were just made-up stories, there actually is an element of occult truth in them, okay? And what was the word from last week? It's been cartoonized, okay? Uh, so people don't realize. And then, of course, they get together, and what do they do? They get together and they all go flying at the Witches' Sabbath, also known as the Black Sabbath, uh, like the band name. Uh, they also, of course, got into, uh, in Europe, the witchcraft spells, speaking with the dead, necromancy. And they would go to, quote, spiritual hotspots that they called crossroads, where they uh, would make a deal with the devil to give them special abilities. Remember we saw that that's what Beyonce apparently did? with her spirit, Sasha, that takes over when she gets on stage. Crazy stuff. Still going on today. Speaking of still going on today, they also try to colorize themselves. Well, I'm just a white witch, or I'm a good witch. I mean, didn't you ever watch The Wizard of Oz? There was good, no. 
It's all bad, and uh, we saw that. Then we saw their aspect with familiar spirits. Remember we saw as we went certainly around in Asia and then Africa and and different parts around the world, witches and those involved in witchcraft, demons would inhabit animals, which demons today can inhabit a non-Christian person or an animal. Okay, that's your two options. Well, they would do that, and witchcraft still do that. And then those animals that are now demon-possessed would be their familiar spirit that would give them advice, give them power and protection. We saw in Asia, if you recall, that was done with like the snake or the fox witches, things that nature. And then even in Africa, you know, it was like the baboon or the hyena, of course. And and even in Europe, okay, as we saw, uh, dogs are uh, typically one, which even goes way back into Egypt and Greece with uh, Hecate. Uh, but also we saw with cats. Why is always a black cat with witches? Because that was a familiar spirit. But what we saw with the fairies is oftentimes the European witchcraft, they skipped the waiting for the demons to possess an animal and then walk around with them. They would just full-blown possess, uh, uh, appear on the scene. Now, of course, you didn't call them demons, but what we saw is that's really what was going on. A witchcraft fairy was a witchcraft demon, okay, is what was going on. But they didn't just appear as, quote, fairies, okay, they appeared as leprechauns, uh, hobgoblins, and also will-o'-wisps. And the will-o'-wisp, you know, the ghost light, the orb in the sky or over there. And, and then the demons would use that to lead people. What is that? And they would lead them into danger and all kinds of stuff. Still goes on today around the world. And then we saw it really begin to take off in Europe because guess what? Shocker, just like with India, just like with Africa, they're given protection. And then once the protection comes, what do they do? They glamorize it. And we saw basically an early form of Disney, if you will, uh, the Brothers Grimm fairy. What's the fairy? It's a demon. So you might as well call it the Brothers Grimm demon tales. Okay, and they begin to make this, you know, cartoonize and make it palatable for kids and stuff. And of course, shocker, that's where Disney gets a lot of their stories from is that book uh, as well and those stories. And then, of course, the popular one that really began the spread of witchcraft, uh, not just in Europe, but around the world is Harry Potter. Okay, so that's where we were last time. And now what we're going to see is, okay, where is witchcraft today? Okay, what is it today? And what we're going to see is witchcraft today has simply been repackaged renamed it's the same old occult practices witch practices not just in europe but as we've been seeing all over the world they've given it a new name because you know you don't want to go around saying hey i'm involved in witchcraft most people will freak out although now they're coming out of the we'll see tonight broom closet and they're proud to call themselves witches okay but so they repackaged it relabeled it it's called wicca Okay. Now, before we get into Wicca, its history, and how has it risen today, and even jump back over the pond, and how did it get here to the United States of America, uh, what I want to see is, why is, of all things, on the rise today, not just earthquakes, famines, pestilence, wars, rumors of wars, uh, all the stuff that's going on in the Middle East, why is that not just on the rise, but why is occult practices, including witchcraft, on the rise? Is that just willy-nilly? Is that by chance? No, it's another huge sign that we're living in the last days, and most people don't get this. In fact, it is preparing the people for the seven-year tribulation society that's going to be so incredibly hardened and wicked that no matter what God does and no matter how much wrath he pours out, they still will not turn from their sins because they're steeped in specifically occult practices. And the rise that we're seeing today, I believe, is preparing for that generation in the seven-year tribulation. Now, I'm not making that up. Believe it or not, it comes from the Bible. Revelation chapter 9. Let's take a look there. Revelation chapter 9. 
And that tells us of the status of the people in the seven-year tribulation. Okay, and it is not good, right? And as you turn there, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to start with verse 13, move forward. But the timing of this is in the seven-year tribulation, you got three major judgments. You got the seals, you got the trumpets, and you got the bowls. And at the final end, the bowls, you got the return of Jesus Christ, Revelation 19. So this is in the trumpets. Now, in the seals, you've already had one-fourth of the earth being annihilated. If that were to happen today, that's nearly two billion people have been already wiped out. Two, not million, two billion people. Now you're going to see the next wave of judgments, the trumpet judgments, and he's going to mention another third of the earth uh, uh, gets annihilated, and we'll see how. But then you're going to see the status of the people. You would think, how many people would say, all these asteroids slamming the earth, earthquakes going off, global wars, wickedness, all this crazy stuff going on, people being slaughtered right and left, uh, asteroids uh, slamming into the ocean, giant tsunamis, a third of the earth gets burned up, all this stuff going on. How many think you would say, you know what? I think it's time to turn to God. I think it's time to get right with God. I think he's got my attention now. You would think, right? These people's hearts are so hard, but we're going to see why they were so hard. Okay, but let's take a look. Verse 13, the sixth angel sounded his trumpet and heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. And it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who've been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill what? A third of mankind. Again, this that's after another, a fourth is already gone. So now in one fell swoop, here goes another third. Okay? And then the number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. And the horses and riders I saw my vision look like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came smoke, fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by these three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails were like snakes having heads with which they inflict injury. So they get you coming and going. Uh, crazy creatures here. Now, the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues, plagues got right with God. It's like, that's it. Okay, you got my attention now. I tell you what. No, wrong translation. What's it say? Still did, even after all that, still did not repent of the works with their hands. Well, what were the works of the hands involved in? How could they get such a hard heart as that? Well, here's what will give it to you. They did not stop worshiping what? Demons. Now, what is involved in the occult? Demons. What's involved in witchcraft? Demons, all kinds of stuff. Even idolatry behind every idol is a demon, right? Who, where do you think, who thinks in stealing all that stuff? So they, they're, they're, they're not just involved with demons, they're worshiping demons. Witchcraft, as we're going to see, Wicca, uh, eventually we're going to see that they, they worship uh, two uh, so, so-called gods and goddesses. What are those? Demons, and they worship them. So they would not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders. Is murder going on in the witchcraft and the occult? Yeah, big time. Okay. And they're what? Magic arts or sorcery could be translated or basically witchcraft. It's pharmakeia that we saw before, nor of their sexual immorality, okay, which is huge in the occult. Basically, anything goes, and frankly, some really horrible things, nor of their thefts is what it says there, okay? So again, as we saw before, uh, the Bible paints us the picture that the people in the seven-year tribulation, their hearts are so hard that they, no matter what God does to get their attention, okay, they, they still don't respond. They won't repent. Repent, metanoia, after mine. They, they will not turn away from it. They won't turn around, right? They won't let it go. Why? Because guess what? Our planet in the seven-year tribulation 
is going to be involved major in the occult and witchcraft. Right? It says it right there. Pharmakeia, we saw, was not only meaning drug usage, but drug usage as fostered in the dark arts. What's that mean? Like we've been seeing, drug usage is huge in witchcraft as well. So that's what it's talking about. But good things, we don't, we don't see any signs of a rise of people involved in the occult. They're preparing uh, to create this unfortunate, non-repentant, uh, occultish uh, society in the seven-year tribulation. Yeah, hello, what have we been seeing? It's, are you kidding me? Do you get the, the prophetic significance of what we're dealing with here? It's not just, yeah, there's earthquakes. That's a sign we're living in the last days. Yeah, there's wars and rumors of wars. We're in the last days. Uh, do you see this rise of witchcraft and Wicca, even in the United States, even in kids, little kids, teenagers, adults, people now being so proud they're coming. They're even praying against our president and the news is actually reporting it in a positive light. Guess what? That's a sign you're living in the last days. That's the people who need to arise on the planet to fulfill that passage, Revelation chapter 9, and it's here now. And it's growing just in time for the seven-year tribulation, okay? And so that's what we're going to see. We're going to take a look at this modern witchcraft uh, called Wicca, okay? Now, as we get there, I want to demonstrate just a little bit before we get into the history of just how much this thing is exploding, okay? Now, again, we are left off with Europe, and that's where we're going to see Wicca started, but it's going to come to America. But let me give you a current stat of how much witchcraft has permeated Europe. And again, think about it. Not that long ago, this is where the Protestant Reformation started, our heritage, and now it's this dark. Watch this. And of all, this is from CBS News. Okay, even they admit it. Watch this. One guy, he's from England, he says this, England is positively crawling with witches, warlocks, wizards, and water diviners. There's hardly a village where you will fail to find someone gazing into a crystal ball, offering to tell your fortune, or getting involved in close encounters with aliens. We'll get into that a little bit tonight. Aliens, we also saw before was what? There was the will-o'-wisp called the ghost light, the orb in the sky. That people would see and they go, oh, what's that? And they have to go over there in the woods and look at it. Would that have anything to do with what's going on with some UFO behavior today? Uh-huh. We're going to see that again uh, tonight. Uh, so they says, uh, forget Salem, quote, and this is England. When it comes to the occult, we've cornered the market. Quote, Harry Potter isn't just a bestseller and an international movie hit. Quote, it is real life for many of us. Uh, there are parts of England where one in ten people believe that they have power to teleport their neighbors, pick them up, and spirit them away, literally. The northern country of Yorkshire, for example, is packed with telepathists, time travelers, enchanters, mediums, and astrologers. Essex, to the east of London, London contains the highest number of people subscribing to ancient pagan customs and rituals. And my own home country, he said, Kent, just south of the capital, has three times the national average of psychic healers. He said, this is not mumbo-jumbo. This is the result of detailed academic research. Quote, there is an occult revival. Why would that happen? Because God said 2,000 years ago, that's what's going to be on the planet in the seven-year tribulation. Again, another indicator of the last days. He said, everywhere the paranormal is booming. Ancient spells are available on every sidewalk. And over here, I had to share with you the headline because you're thinking, oh, that, come on, are you serious? Watch this. This is the United States of America. Which is now outnumber Presbyterians in the United States? That's the headline. I had to do a screenshot for you. It's growing astronomically. Now, why is it growing astronomically? It's during the years when Harry Potter came out. Harry Potter came out in 2001. 
And since then, they're now doing the studies. It has influenced a whole massive amount of people around the world, not just in Europe and across the world, but even the United States of America. This is from the Pew Research Center. They said it makes sense that witchcraft and the occult is on the rise, uh, given our society's rejection of Christianity that has left a void that people want to fill. Again, the failure of the church to not just, you wonder why I'm preaching on this? Uh, because it's in the Bible. <laughs> not just something to do. Whooping out of there, right? Uh, but again, what they're saying is because people aren't teaching the scripture, they're not teaching the Bible, including occult practices, which is all over the Bibles we've been seeing, Old and New Testament. And so guess what? People will be sitting there their whole lives and they never hear nothing about the dangers of the occult. Stay away from that. Don't you even think about going down witchcraft. And people are flirting with it and getting involved in it. And so there's, there's one aspect there. Plus, Wicca has re- effectively repackaged witchcraft for the millennials' consumption. No longer is witchcraft and paganism looked as satanic or demonic. Uh, it's considered free thought and an understanding of the earth and nature. Uh, as one guy says this, as the pa- mainline Protestantism continues to devolve, the U.S. population uh, in witchcraft is growing astronomically. So they're basically leaving the church. They're going to the occult. They want a spiritual experience, but they can't find it in the church, which is sad. Okay, there's so much baloney going on today. So they're going to some place where they can at least feel like it. Okay, and uh, so let's take a look at why we're dealing with this. One guy, he ends this, I love this. He says, the church needs to wake up to the reality of this. Again, even since we started this study, there's been some comments online. People say, I don't want to hear this. I don't need to study this. Where am I getting this from? Just because I can't find nothing else to preach on? This is a Bible church. So guess what? The Bible, Old and New Testament, deals with witchcraft, occult, sorcery, pharmacia, all over the place. So you got to hit it sometime. Well, we are because we're faithful to the Bible. And that's what the guy says. The church needs to wake up to this. People need to be warned. They need to know all the scripture, not just heaven. That's great. But again, and this is the long line of the apostasy that's going in the church, which is another sign that we're living in the last days. It isn't just you don't teach on prophecy, you don't talk about hell, you don't talk about sin, you don't talk about God's wrath. You certainly don't talk about the occult. People freak out and leave because that's their agenda, not to be faithful to God's word. They're more concerned about numbers than making disciples disciplined learners, okay? But let's take a look and see this onslaught, this rise of Wicca, and uh, we're going to see just some of the current stat that's going on in Europe. Watch this. Today in England, witchcraft and its more modern incarnation, Wicca, are pagan religions. Wiccans worship the gods and spirits of nature. In return for their faith, the spirits grant them the power of magic. It was this power that first drew Gailey's cod to Wicca. Now, she's studying to become a full-fledged witch. I like the name witch, and um, I suppose in a way I'd like to reclaim it as being um, a good word and standing for, for all the things that I believe in. She has her husband's complete support. Um, he sees my pentacle. There it is. That sits by me, and I have a great belief that it should be next to my, my body as opposed to on show. Once a month, Gaylise meets with her coven, a group of like-minded witches who bolster one another in their faith. 
They call themselves the Raven and the Rose. When witches gather in a circle, they believe they can weave stronger magic. Tonight will be Gaylise's first time participating in a secret ritual. Red sandalwood for passion. It's April 30th. Tomorrow, witches all over England celebrate what they call the first day of summer, Beltane. As High Priestess of the Raven and the Rose, Jeanette Ellis will lead her coven's Beltane ritual. We're cooking up an incense for Beltane. Making an incense is a spell. The different ingredients that go into it, like making a cake, you blend them all together and they all have specific jobs within the cake, or the incense in this case, and we'll burn that tonight. On Beltane, the coven will thank the gods for the Earth's renewed fertility. For witches, only Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, is more sacred. We take the energy of the goddess and god, of earth and air and fire and water, the energies of the universe I place within. Weave your web of dark and light, earth, air, fire and water, find us all as one. Homage paid, the witches can ask for their gifts from the gods. Wisdom! Luck! Then, as with Holy Day celebrations everywhere, it's time for the party to begin. For most in England, Beltane is known as May Day, an ancient feast still celebrated widely. Witches figure in May Day festivals across England. The Raven and the Rose Coven seizes the opportunity to march proudly through the streets. Their public walk shows that prejudice is beginning to wane. Just in time for the seven-year tribulation society that God said is going to appear on the planet when you live in the last days. Proudly out there, march around. And again, it's not just in Europe. It's uh, all over the United States as well. Uh, now, we're going to get into the history of that. Before, I, I don't know if you noticed this, and this got my mind going. Did you notice those guys in that occult parade? They were dressed up like the Jolly Green Giant looking thing. And that's the first thing I thought, Jolly Green Giant, right? So I researched it out. I kid you not, the Jolly Green Giant has its roots in witchcraft. Go figure. I kid you not, right? This is kind of a history of the thing. And uh, as you can see, he started out not green, but a, a white guy. And you're going, well, what, what's, what, where did they get this from? And I quote, this is a secular uh, article, the Jolly Green Giant's original incarnation was influenced by... The Brother Grimm's Fairy Tales, right? As we saw before. So that's kind of crazy. But anyway, uh, so that's there. Now let's go ahead and let's get into the history of Wicca, right? So why is this explosion? Again, I gave you a little teaser of just Europe, but it's over here in America, right? Well, Wicca is called a, quote, <clears throat> modern-day nature-based pagan religion. Can I translate that for you? Old-fashioned witchcraft. Okay, so what did all that all it means? Their rituals and practices vary. Most conversations, as you can see, they go around celebrations with certain uh, solstices, you know, with the moon and stuff and equinoxes and positioning of the sky, the stars and all that stuff. Uh, they honor a male god and a female goddess. We'll get to that eventually. Uh, they practice their religion with an ethical code. They pride themselves that basically you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt nobody. Really? Then why are you doing hexes on us even now? That you said not to hurt nobody. 
Uh, that's called hypocrisy or hypocrite for those of you living in the South. Okay. Uh, they also believe in reincarnation. Does the Bible teach that? No. We saw that how many times in our New Age study, Buddhism study, Hinduism study? Hebrews 9.27 is appointed man to die once and then face judgment. So that's kind of the deal. Uh, they also pride them in what they call themselves as pre-Christian. See, that's why you need to listen to us. Because Christianity came along later, but we're the really first early religion. We're pre-Christian. No, you're not. And that's why I wanted to go methodically through this whole giant section from the Tower of Babel and demonstrate not only how it's permeated the planet, but where it all started. Where did it start? From the Tower of Babel. Does that predate uh, the scriptural account? No. You got the whole Genesis account way before that. Right? You got the whole uh, Noah and the society there and, and, and Adam and Eve. So you didn't predate nothing uh, of the Christian account. So that's a lie, but that's, that's what they want to seduce people into. Okay, uh, It can be practiced individually or together in groups that they call, and we'll see where it came from tonight, called covens. Okay, We would say a church service, they gather as covens. Uh, we would call it a service, they call it a circle. Okay, as we'll see uh, eventually. They also uh, have some commonalities with Druidism and the environmental component. We'll eventually, Lord willing, get into that. All these kind of what I call hodgepodge occult practices, Druids and, all, and, and shamanism and things of that nature. Uh, also, we're going to probably see as well how the environmental movement, not just feminism, we'll see that too, uh, is a smokescreen to get people involved into these occult practices. Okay? There's a great diversity among practices, but most Wiccans are what's called duotheistic. Again, they worship a female goddess and a male god, sometimes referred to as the mother goddess and the horned god wonder who the horn god is. Uh, hmm. uh, they also are a hodgepodge because they, it's basically come one, come all, no matter what you believe, just join us all and you can do whatever you want just as long as you sign up and join us in our occult practices. Some are flat out, believe it or not, called atheists involved in Wicca. Some are what's called pantheists. Remember that? Pan, all, all is God. Some are polytheists, meaning poly meaning many, right? That there's many gods. And some, this is, I thought was interesting. Some are respectful of the God and goddess concept. They'll respect that, but they say, no, they're not real. They're just symbols, which I thought was very interesting because we saw many times before in our other studies, 65% of the professing keyword there, professing American church says that Satan is not a literal being. He's just a symbol of evil. I wonder who started that idea in the church. Yeah, but they, there's uh, uh, Wiccans uh, do that as well. Now, they also, again, they, they conduct their things around the phases of the moon, the solar equinoxes, the solstices, and all that stuff. They have a calendar, which we'll eventually get into, Lord willing. Uh, they also uh, are very big on the elements, uh, such as fire, water, earth, and air. You add the fifth element, the spirit, and that's why they have these things called a pentacle uh, or a pentagram. Okay, with five points. Each of the five points in Wicca stands for spirit, air, earth, water, and fire. And I, that, I, I thought this was a very sad picture. It doesn't just show you a pentagram or pinnacle, uh, but that's actually what somebody was so proud that they put it on their tombstone. Uh, I would say they probably know better now, unfortunately. Not something you want to advertise or be a part of, okay? Uh, but basically, Wiccans today in Europe, and then I'll give you uh, America stats, but right now today in Europe, uh, Wiccans, the average age is uh, between, around 35, 
And I did the math with this. 35 right now is the average age. The, 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 the big uh, group, the mainstay is anywhere from 25 to 45. So the younger generations are really getting into this. But the average age is 35. So I did the math. Harry Potter, <clears throat> okay, 2001 when it first came out, you've had all these years and still going on. Now they've got spinoffs of it, okay? If you subtract when Harry Potter first came out to this, that puts the age back then when Harry Potter came out in 2001, 16 years old. So isn't it any surprise that 19 years after Harry Potter came on that these 35 years olds are heavy duty into witchcraft? Not by chance, okay, is what we're going to see. Now, what's, what's crazy is there are about equal portions of men and women. 62% come from Protestant backgrounds. The failure of the church. People are looking for real spiritual truth. I was, as you guys know my testimony, but... What I saw in so-called Christians was, what a bunch of hypocrisy and baloney. So I went a-looking, and I did. And I found a spiritual path. It was horrible. And I got involved in the occult, too. Right? But people, I think, are hungry for the spiritual truth. And we had the privilege to show them the real one and only Spirit of God and, and His truth in the Bible. And if we don't do that, they're going to go somewhere else. But 62% come from a Protestant background? Crazy. Right, uh, most of them have a half of British Wiccans have a university education. They tend to work in healing professions. Okay, you might go there to get your back fixed. Next thing you know, they're doing witchcraft on you. Even here in America, folks, pay attention. Okay, uh, they're also coming with uh, into medicine, counseling, education, computing, and administration. So basically, they're all throughout society. Now that's Europe, North America. Watch this: the United States of America, according to the American Religious Identification Survey, uh, it says that the number of self-identified Wiccans in North America tripled from guess what years? Two thousand one to two thousand eight. I wonder why. When did Harry Potter start? Two thousand one, and it tripled by two thousand eight. So again, you don't think uh, movies have an influence on people? You're fooling yourself. In fact, believe it or not, Wicca, this was crazy, is the largest non-Christian faith practice in the United States Air Force. Now that's not only wild. I'm going to show you one coven, and then they're going to tell you why there's such a surge of witchcraft, uh, even in the military. Watch this. This is nuts. Halloween may mean costumes and candy for you and for us, but for those out there who are witches, this is their most sacred holiday. In San Antonio, there's a Wiccan coven touting the largest weekly service for the study of witchcraft in the world. Where they meet and who's in the class may surprise you. Marvin Hurst has her story. Mention the word witch and instantly most conjure up thoughts of black magic rituals in the belly of seclusion. Just keep the line progressing. Now come inside the Arnold Hall Community Center at Joint Base San Antonio Lackland. It's a different picture. I'm Archer and I'm a witch. Archer, a.k.a. Tony Gatland, is the high priest of this coven. A packed house of basic military trainees are studying witchcraft in his circle. When we come over here on a Sunday, oftentimes there's, there are three or four hundred. 
around 320 this day, taking part in Samhain, the witch's New Year celebration on Halloween. They honor the dead and the rebirth of their god. Trainees literally lined up by choice to learn about Wicca. Fantasy reading and Harry Potter piqued training at Treyu Kamen's interest in Wicca five years ago. There is nothing wrong with Wicca. And of course, that's why we have this service here. And why did he get influenced to go that route? At least he was honest enough to admit it. And how many people do we know who said, oh no, it's helping my kid read, or oh no, it's just entertainment? We're now seeing the fruits of that compromise given rise to this in the last days. Okay, it's very unfortunate. So let's take a look at where it all started, okay? Well, believe it or not, in Wicca, again, came out of Europe, okay? It's accredited, it's just, and again, it's old-fashioned witchcraft. It's been around ever since all this has been going on throughout history. But specifically, the repackaging of old-fashioned witchcraft under Wicca, how did that get started? Well, let's take a look at that. Start with this lady, Margaret Murray, uh, in England, okay? And uh, she was a famed, quote, first-wave feminist, now, I don't know if it's going to be the next study, the one after that, but we are going to get deep into feminism and show you the roots of feminism is clearly all about seducing ladies, even today, into witchcraft. Female empowerment, right? Worship the goddess. That's flat-out witchcraft, man. And it's still steeped in feminism. But she was a, one of the biggest first feminists. She was also an anthropologist, a folklorist, but also an Egyptologist, right? So she studied Egypt, wrote tons of books about Egypt. Well, what do we see about Egypt? The place was steeped in witchcraft and the occult stuff. So, gee, I wonder where she got her ideas from. She wrote several books, not just on Egypt, but on, quote, witch cults. And listen, she inspired British seekers, based on her writings, to, quote, create their own covens and structure worship around her descriptions. Now, she wrote a book that really influenced people back in the day, uh, 1921, The Witch Cult in Western Europe. Okay, and this really began to influence people to really start uh, being bold and coming out and being a witch and starting to practice. But they based it on her writings. Okay, now I don't have time to go through all the books that she wrote. She lived till she was a hundred years old. Uh, she wrote a ton of books on Egypt, but she again she wrote this book. Uh, Ten years after this book, she wrote another one called The God of the Witches. But they're saying it was this work, this lady, that really began to crack open the door to make witchcraft palatable. Uh, she was also the first woman appointed as a lecturer in archaeology in the United Kingdom. So she's in the college circuit. I'm sure we don't have college professors today in America who are involved in occult practices and trying to brainwash people. Yeah, it's, yeah. She, again, she was also big in the feminist movement. But the influence of her uh, in, in uh, conditioning people, encouraging people to bust out and go ahead and practice witchcraft, uh, they call her, this is what she's called, this is her name. She is the grandmother of Wicca. That's Margaret Murray is who we're dealing with here. She's the grandmother of Wicca, okay? And that's where it began. She never married. Instead, she devoted her life's work to all this stuff. Uh, her biographer said she uh, was deeply committed to public outreach, that she wanted to, quote, throw open the doors and invite the public in. Not a good life. Now, again, here's the sad pattern. And I quote, This lady, Margaret Murray, the grandmother of modern Wicca, quote, was raised by a devout Christian mother. And she had, Margaret Murray, listen, before she turned to witchcraft, 
She had initially become a Sunday school teacher. But you know when the turning point was? When she went to secular college. And the academic profession, she rejected, quote, religion. I've shared this, and it gets worse, it seems, every year. High 80 percentile of kids that have grown up in a Christian home, by the first year of college, they reject the Christian faith. Because it is a war zone out there. And again, if they're not equipped, if churches are not preaching the Bible, if they're not making disciples, if they're not talking about this kind of stuff, you throw them to the wolves, they're going to be eaten alive. And apparently something happened with her too. So she became a practitioner of magic, performing, listen to this, remember, remember they got a code of ethics, do whatever you want, just don't harm nobody. Quote, she performed curses against those she, who, she felt deserved it. In one case, she cursed a fellow academic when she felt that his promotion to the position over her friend was unworthy. And her curse entailed mixing up ingredients in a frying pan, and this was done in the presence of two colleagues. So again, you're supposed to be this, oh, we just, we don't harm anybody, we just worship nature, we're peaceful. Then what are you doing this stuff for? Right? And it was her, quote, witch cult theories that, quote, formed the historical narrative around Wicca and caused the emergence in England during the 40s and 50s. And, of course, the theological structure revolving the, the duality that they worship, the horned god, the mother goddess, is adopted from Margaret Murray. And I'm convinced that a lot of it she got from studying these guys who were steeped in witchcraft, okay? As well as the European folklore things that uh, we saw last week uh, as well. But even though the name uh, Wiccan groups being called covens came from her, also, their meetings termed esbots that came from her. So again, she's, that's why she's called the grandmother. In fact, uh, she was apparently popular in England. Here she is with the BBC uh, interview in 1960, I think about three years before she died. But uh, apparently these people loved her. It's like, hey, come on at the show. And uh, Who are they interviewing? The lady who started the witchcraft movement in Europe. It's crazy. She died in November 1963. Her body was cremated. Okay, so that's the grandmother of Wicca. All right, let's, where to go next? Well, it went to this guy, all right? Now, that guy, he's got the hairdo for a witch or a warlock. I tell you, he's got it going both ends. The pointy hair and the pointy, he's got it going, right? But this guy's name is Gerald Gardner. Man, I'm running out of room here already. Uh, Gerald Gardner, okay? And this is the guy who's accredited with Wicca being spelled with the extra C. Came from him. Right, this Gerald Gardner guy. And it just didn't just come from him, but she, as we saw, Margaret Murray was the grandmother. Guess what this guy was called? He was the grandfather uh, of Wicca. He just carried the torch, right? So let's take a look at that trail. How did he get involved in this? Well, he was an Englishman, a civil servant, an amateur archaeologist. He was in, uh, interested in the uh, occult and magic, spelled with the uh, I-C-K, uh, uh, obviously the dark arts. And he was getting his hands on anything he could regarding uh, witchcraft. He joined a coven called the New Forest Coven. And guess uh, how they were uh, doing their witchcraft based on, guess what? Margaret Murray's writings, right? So they take her writings. This guy takes it. They form a coven, right? And they start launching it, okay? And, uh, and then <clears throat> he got introduced to another guy that we've seen before, as you can see here. This was Aleister Crowley, right? So he gets one influence with Margaret Murray. Okay, now he gets involved with this guy. Now, if this guy who looks familiar should uh, with our 12-week study we did on Scientology. Remember Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard? 
He was steeply involved in the occult. He got a lot of his ideas for Scientology, including the levels of practice, and you got to pay money to go up to the next level. All came from Crowley because you had, if you want to get to the next witchcraft occult level, uh, L. Ron Hubbard had to pay Crowley to get the money to get to the next level. That whole idea, the levels and paying it in Scientology, came from the occult, came from Crowley. But Crowley, as you can see, notice his garb there. He's got the triangle there, the pyramid-looking thing. He's dressed in the Egyptian garb, right? Again, steeped in in witchcraft there. So Gerald Gardner, the grandfather of Wicca, he gets involved with uh, Crowley, okay? And uh, Crowley, we might get into him in a a more lengthy study. I'm not going to do that tonight. Uh, Maybe we get into our Satanism and stuff. Uh, Lord willing. But he was an occultist, a ceremonial uh, magician. But guess what? He was born into a, a wealthy family, but he rejected. Can anybody see what's coming next? His parents, fundamentalist, Christian Plymouth Brethren faith. So again, so what's going on here? Okay, now I don't know why he rejected it, but I will say this. Uh, in secular society, they call that guy, they call him the most evil man that ever lived. This guy was steeped in some of the darkest evil. I don't even have time to get into it. But again, this is the guy that's now Gerald Gardner is chumming up with. Okay? Uh, but his mom described, Crowley's mom described him as, quote, the beast with a capital B. I know your kids can get unruly, but whoa, the beast. So I don't know what was going on there. Uh, his father, listen to this, was, was uh, uh, particularly devout, spending his time as a traveling preacher, reading a chapter from the Bible to his wife and son at, after breakfast every day. Man. And somehow, some way, he still rejected Christ. Well, his uh, uh, father died, and of course, he had a lot of money, his dad, so he inherited his dad's wealth, and he just goes nuts. He goes deep into the occult. He's traveling all over the world. He's got the money to do whatever. He go, gets into drugs. He, he was bisexual. He was a social critic uh, and involved in counterculture. He also performed in the occult what's called sex magic. We might get into, into another study. We saw, remember, uh, L. Ron Hubbard? Uh, and Jack Parsons doing all their occult stuff in Jack Parsons' house called the Parsonage. Remember that? And they were involved in these occult studies and occult rituals that they got from Crowley involving sex magic, and they were wanting to bring in the Antichrist. Remember that from Scientology? Sure, Pastor really. Thank you for making me feel like you actually pay attention, right? Uh, but yeah, remember that? As freaky as that was, Jack Parsons, the, the guy who created JPL Laboratories, the Jet Pole, it was crazy stuff, but it really went on. That's the history, okay? But uh, he was involved in that. But again, he would get involved in these occult rituals. He would use drugs and get into an altered state of consciousness. And I'm talking about Crowley. So guess what would appear? Entities. Now, what would those entities be called? Demons, right? This is what's really wild. I came across this, and I'll have to share this with you. Crowley came across this entity that he said contacted him, and this is a drawing from Crowley. He called it, the entity was called Lamb, L-A-M, Okay, it's a demon, obviously, a familiar uh, spirit, a demon. But I looked at that picture, and this is one of the things that gave Crowley his ideas, the occult ideas. What does that look like? Bingo. Isn't that absolutely crazy? And so, wait a second, do you mean to tell me that maybe this whole UFO thing, that really uh, there's a spiritual element behind it that's duping people, leading them away from Jesus Christ? Yeah. Now, if you want more information on that whole premise, get the book or the documentary, UFOs, The Great Last Days of Deception, that we did several years ago, that exposes this in great detail. But I'll give you a little uh, a nail in the coffin. How do you know that these things really are demons? Well, not just because they look exactly what appeared to Aleister Crowley and led him astray. 
uh, when he got into an altered state of consciousness. But these things, secular researchers are saying that of all things, you know what really freaks aliens out? The name of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because they're demons, folks. Okay, but let's take a look at this. All of these secular researchers saying they're deceptive, they lie to people, they're deceptive, they lie to people. But people never questioned it during the experience. Certainly after when you say, were you told this? Were you told this? And they go, yeah. I said, but that's not true. And that's not true. Doesn't that make you a bit suspicious? I've met literally hundreds of people who've had this one and that they're lying in bed and they see a black cloud or entity in the room and it moves or hovers and they lose control of their voice and they're paralyzed. The skeptics try to you know, explain it away as sleep paralysis. Um, and people call on the name of Jesus, for example, and even something like that uh, stops. And I myself had that same experience, and I haven't told many people this as a baby Christian. I think I'd been saved a matter of days. I didn't know anything about spiritual warfare. And I'm lying in my room and I had this experience, but I was so excited about my newfound faith, I managed to squeeze the words out, Jesus, help me. And I was being pressed against the bed and choked and it stopped in an instant. We have testimony after testimony after testimony. And Guy Malone, a researcher in Roswell, New Mexico, he says, well, think about it. If these really are advanced entities flying millions of years across space with that type of technology, why would they be frightened of the name of Jesus? A supposedly deceased religious figure. Joe Jordan, who's catalogued over 400 cases now, uh, has uh, recently, if you like, been promoted. He lives in South Korea as the national director for MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, the world's largest UFO investigative group. He, as a non-believer, first stumbled upon this. And he said, so what is it about Christians that aliens don't like? That was what he thought. Uh, and then he realized, like all other researchers who've come to study it, and if they're open enough to, to take the evidence for what it was, they realize they're not dealing with aliens, they're dealing with spirit beings. And he said he came to understand that the Bible was the only thing that it could explain the spirit realm ad adequately. Only permanent solution is the authority of the creator. He's the only one that obviously can have authority over those beings. They are not benevolent aliens visiting us from a galaxy far, far away. They are deceptive, supernatural entities emanating from another dimension. Any serious expert will tell you that these are what they would describe as interdimensional beings should have stayed in the spirit world that crossed over into ours. Hmm. Interesting. And just like the enemy has convinced people to get along with old-fashioned witchcraft today just in time for the seven-year tribulation by simply what? Repackaging itself and calling it, oh, it's just Wicca. Aliens, old-fashioned demons, familiar spirits that you come in contact with when you get involved in occult practices, oh, it's not a demon, it's an alien here to help you and share wonderful information to help save the planet. Same bunch of baloney. Okay, but anyway, I just had to, I had to hit that while I had it. I couldn't believe I came across that drawing. But basically, let's go back to this guy, Gerald Gardner, okay, the grandfather of Wicca. Again, he's involved with two things now, Margaret Murray, who kind of kick-started the Wicca movement, and then he's also involved with Crowley, okay? Now, he didn't just get involved with him, but, quote, Gardner wrote out his Wiccan rituals, and he drew strongly from Crowley's rituals. 
So you're seeing that it's a kind of a hybrid uh, thing that came out there. Uh, and Crowley is the one who actually proposed the idea of, quote, forming a new religion that would pull from pagan traditions, worshiping earth, celebrating equinoxes, solstices, and other hallmarks of nature-based worship. And, of course, Gardner apparently said, that's a great idea. I think I'll do that. And he started running with Wicca. In 1951, after the repeal of the last witchcraft laws in England, so now they got protection, now all the restraints are off, right? It's cool to be a witch now. He came out in public as a witch and started giving interviews as a resident witch. Two years later, he meets a lady, which we'll get into, Lord willing, next time, called Doreen Valiente. She was initiated into his coven as the high priestess, and uh, uh, she admitted that his uh, book of shadows okay, was highly influenced with uh, Aleister Crowley and his horrible occult rituals, okay, uh, is where he got it from. You're saying, well, what's the Book of Shadows? Well, let's take a look at that. The Book of Shadows is a collection of spells and rituals, and still to this day, this is their big book. This is basically their, their workbook. This is the thing that houses all the rituals, the calendars, all that stuff. Okay, this came from this guy, Gerald Gardner. He wrote it in the 40s and 50s, and originally, uh, you had to, it was only written by hand. And originally, there was only one copy uh, that existed for an entire coven, and that was only kept by the high priest or the high priestess, okay? But it became unfeasible, right? And so then they began to get their own copies. And again, what's inside this thing is basically all their rituals, invocation, the herbal concoctions, the spells, the runes, the rules for the covens, the traditions, the symbols, the poems, the chants, anything else that they use. It's basically, I don't want to say Bible, uh, it's like a handbook. Everything you're going to need to know that you need to do uh, is in this book that came from the sky. It's called the Book of Shadows. Again, they still use it today. Now, with modern times arising, what they used to do is there was only one copy. And basically, initiate, you can get your own copy. So they opened that door. But you had to handwrite it from the copy of the high priest or priestess. That's the only thing. But now with modern technology right? Uh, now they can scan it in. And now they can produce it. And now it's everywhere all over the web and you name it. But let me show you just a, a quick, if you will, flyby. I'm not going to show you the whole book, obviously. But this is just some of the things that are inside this book they still use today called the Book of Shadow. get one now again what's again helped it unfortunately to spread and 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 hence spread witchcraft and studies and involvement uh is people can now get access to this book of shadows just go online you can download it it's all over the web you name it uh again the practices i think that helped frankly keep it at bay for a while was it was only handwritten whatever but now 
Not anymore. You can get this thing anywhere. And not only that, they've been promoting this in the media like big time, like it's something cool. Uh, the television series Charmed, okay, featured the Book of Shadows and its spells. To, that's kind of cool. That's what you do. And then people, what they do is they go look and they find it. They go, oh, that's a real thing. It's not just make-believe. And they, and they get involved in it. Uh, the 1996 film The Craft, which they say was uh, helped to propel the series Charmed, uh, also had the Book of Shadows. The, remember the Blair Witch Project? That, okay, the, the sequel was called The Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, uh, showing The Book of Shadows. 2011, a television series called The Secret Circle uh, shows the family has their own Book of Shadows and with its own unique spells and was passed on from generation to generation. Uh, a big uh, in, uh, encourager to get involved in the occult, unfortunately, is also in video games. Video games are steeped in the occult, amongst other unfortunate things. Uh, the Japanese horror adventure game Corpse Party uh, simply called Corpus Party uh, Book of Shadows. The sequel is called Corpus Party, uh, Corpus Party Blood Drive. And then it goes even deeper into the Book of Shadows. So this, they're even being shown what to do in video games uh, as well. Australian television series Nowhere, Boy, Nowhere Boys uh, uh, has two characters that possess a Book of Shadows. And even in the fifth edition of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the role-playing game, uh, shows how you can get a copy of the Book of Shadows and get even more spells and blah, blah, blah. Okay? But all this basically led to what is called Gardnerian Wicca. Now, eventually what we'll get into is Wicca started with Margaret Murray. And again, it's old-fashioned witchcraft, but it's been repackaged as Wicca. Started with Margaret Murray, the grandmother. Then the grandfather, Gerald, takes it to the next level, combines it with Aleister Crowley's stuff. And then that blend, if you want to follow Gerald's route, is named after him called Gardnering Wicca. But as we're going to see, Wicca has a ton of different branches uh, to it. Okay, you got what's called Alexandrian Wicca. You got Dianic Wicca, which we'll get into. That's your feminist stuff right there. Uh, you got the Celtic Wicca, the Church of Wicca, uh, the Georgian Wicca, and on and on it goes. And we'll probably get into those uh, eventually how they got started. So basically, to use a very loose vernacular, it has nothing to do with us, but just to give you something to think about, uh, you get uh, different denominations in the church. Same thing in witchcraft. You go to this, and they're going to have a little bit of flavor of this. Uh, you go over here to the Alexandrian witchcraft. Here's a little bit blend over here. You go to the Georgian witchcraft, the Dianic witchcraft. They're going to focus a little bit more on this. It's kind of the same thing, unfortunately, to begin to spread, right, as well. But with the Gardnerian Wicca, basically the high priestess rules the coven. Uh, again, uh, the uh, high priest and priestess uh, have titles, Okay, uh, the high priestess is lady so-and-so, whatever her name is, and then the high priest is lord, and then fill in the blank, whatever his name is. Uh, but basically, uh, they have their basic uh, beliefs that, uh, that they, they work in couples. Uh, you're going to see some forms of Wicca um, that it is not couples. Uh, they are open to homosexuality, bisexuality, all kinds of sexual immorality. Again, it's just do whatever you want, but supposedly you don't harm nobody, which is, again, hypocrisy. Uh, but that, that's what it is. Now, today, uh, it's getting so apparent, uh, not just in Wicca, but even here in the United States, that people are being bold with saying, I'm a witch now. I'm a Wiccan. And they might just say, I'm a witch, and be proud of it. But they have a term for that, and it's called coming out of the broom closet. Right? When they want let, to let people know that they are now involved in Wicca, or I'm a witch, flat out. Right? Homosexualities would say, I'm coming out of the closet. They're saying they're coming out of the broom closet. 
Okay, and they're getting extremely bold, and I think it's permeated even here in the United States more than we want to believe. Okay, but here's a couple girls coming out of the broom closet. Watch this. I didn't always identify as a witch. I used to be a pastry chef. I feel like in capitalist America, we always identify with our occupation first. Um, so now that I'm a professional witch, uh, I'm doing witch a lot harder and a lot more than I ever was. I'm one of the owners of Catland Books, and we are an interfaith occult shop and event space, meaning we hold community events, rituals, talks, and classes, and we also sell pretty much everything you'll ever need for witchcraft. Magic is something that I do, witchcraft is something that I practice, and, and being a witch in the modern world, it's a little bit rebellious. I'm a witch because it's something I grew up with uh, and something that made a lot of sense for me as an adult as like a practical approach to spirituality. So one of the first things I learned about with witchcraft was about the wheel of the year and sort of the seasons changing and the festivals that go along with the seasons changing. You've got Samhain, which most people know as Halloween. You've got um, the winter solstice, which is Yule. But that was the first sort of thing that I acknowledged in terms of like living magically. Dreaming is very important in witchcraft. A lot of my magic revolves around dreams and dream magic. Every morning I wake up and I pour a glass of water for my ancestors and I leave it at their altar. Um, and that's just a way to honor them and to thank them for where I am right now. And at the end of every day I always say thank you to four things. I say thank you to the land. I say thank you to the gods, spirits, and animals of the place that I'm living. I say thank you to the mighty dead and I say thank you to the living people. So those are my two daily practices, and then it's kind of like what I need to get done in between. My practice revolves mostly around spirit contact and trance work. I do a lot of work with um, certain spirits that like, I, I think I can get a practical result out of, uh, and going into trances and like dealing with them there. So she's flat out going straight to the demons. But it's a good thing, and it's just something to do and you're so proud you're coming out of the broom closet now just in time for what the seven-year tribulation where people's hearts are so hard that they still will not repent and get right with god that's a major sign we're living in the last days and we're watching it happen it's crazy gardner died in 1964 as we close he suffered a fatal heart attack at the breakfast table he was 79 years old unfortunately he knows better now uh very sad uh, in 1973, his extensive personal collection of occult artifacts went to Ripley's Believe It or Not, uh, if you can believe that or not. And a bunch of the rest of his witchcraft stuff went to his immediate witchcraft buddies, which, one of which was this lady, Doreen Valiente. Now, <clears throat> she is known, as we get further down the history line, you got the grandmother, the grandfather, guess what she was? She's considered the mother of Wicca. Okay, she revises Gardner's Book of Shadows, makes it much more popular and palatable uh, for consumption. She splits from Gardner's initial coven. She starts her own, and she really begins to spread it big time, and then eventually it hops over to America. But Lord willing, we'll get to that next time. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, 
How can we have a relationship with him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows he's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally 
can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done. You can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.